I'm Ian Dark, and you're listening to Men in Blazers, sub-optimal radio on the Grantland Network. Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! From the Embassy Road Studios, in the crap part of Soho. How good does that feel, to hear those words. How good does that feel? Free at last! It's the Men in Blazers podcast. Oh, can you hear that cosmic tear, David? Is that what it is? The noise of thousands of Americans ripping the World Cup brackets off their cubicle <laughs> walls. Did <laughs> I tell you what my eight-year-old said? Come my on. eight-year-old is, is, is so upset with Belgium for beating America in uh, the World Cup. As she should be. That she's boycotting Le Pan Quotidien. Of course, <laughs> I... And most of America had no idea that, well, many people don't know what Le Pan Quotidien is. It's a chain. They're definitely in New York and L.A. and San Francisco, Boston places. And I thought it was French. And it happens. She read the sign and realized that it's Belgian. She's You're having going none of that. down Le Pan She's having Quotidien. none of that. At Brick J tweeted us, at Men in Blazers, if I don't fill in the last score on my World Cup bracket, is the tournament truly over? Oh, God, good question. Yeah, maybe not. That would blow even Paul Carr's mind. Yeah, yeah. Paul Carr couldn't handle that. It's over, Rog. It's a funny feeling, isn't it? The day after the World Cup ends. I feel like the World Cup like ends with a thud. It's immediately over. It now, to me, seems almost irrelevant until the next World Cup when we talk about what happens. Stories. War stories. Yeah. I mean, what's fascinating, Davo, is that the World Cup, you said it, it doesn't build to a crescendo. No, it's emptying the last few little globules of wine out of the claret You're shaking decanter. it. You're shaking. Yeah. You, it's like you described to me that the World Cup is like a bottle of Argentinian Malbec. Yeah. And you, at the beginning, you're pouring yeah. full glasses. You're yeah. guzzling. You're guzzling. Yeah. And then kind of halfway through, you start to realize that bottle is going down. Yeah. It's hard to rue the day you were so reckless in your pouring measures. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited, by the way, that you've invented a new country that makes Malbec. Argentina. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'm fully behind any country that makes Malbec, even Argentina. So, Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> so, you've, yeah. <laughs> so, you're pouring it, and by the time of the semi-final, you realise yeah. you're, sh- you're oh, shaking. Yeah, shaking hard. It's hurting your arm. But, so there's that. Yeah. That the World Cup was really over several weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But also, the World Cup began. It feels like months ago. I feel like we were young men when it began. I feel like we had full heads of hair. I had my own teeth, I feel like, <laughs> when the did? World Cup. Wow. Not these false chompers. Yeah. That's how long ago it started. But a lot of people have asked the same question of us, David. Yeah. How could we spend four and a half years in captivity in Not Bob Lee's planet room? It did. <laughs> it did. How did we come back for the final? Why did we come? Whither did we come back? Whence did we come back? I mean, there were several answers to that question. The most profound being yeah. that we wanted to experience... <laughs> Which answer do you want us yeah. to give? We wanted to, we wanted to experience the World Cup in a proper yeah. football nation. Well, that's true. We felt like the ultimate story of this World Cup... I mean, we talked a lot last night about what were the enduring legacies of the World Cup. For me, it's all about America. It really is. That's the biggest material change to my life. And as a man in blazer, the biggest change is what happened in America during this World Cup. So to come back here and to watch the World Cup final um, here, around our people here at MC Row with you, and to have spent a couple of days back in this soccer-loving nation. Football uh, jerseys sort of everywhere. Everywhere. On the streets of Manhattan. Yeah. I mean, it was so many German football jerseys. Yeah. I think I tweeted that it, the city felt like Philip Roth's plot against America come 
to life. Mm-hmm. Never seen so many German-loving Americans. And we did. We loved all the reports coming in via Twitter that San Francisco is full-on mm-hmm. Bavaria. Miami, a little more kind of... <laughs> Argentina. Yeah, Argentina. Buenos yeah. Aires, mm-hmm. as they say, Dave. And, I mean, that was what we wanted to really savor that alongside you. We didn't want to come back like Moses in the promised land, never really being able to enter this, the wonder that is a football-loving America. But I think also to understand a World Cup properly, the World Cup is very different than other sporting events. Well, maybe a little similar to the Olympics. Is The Olympics isn't all about who wins and who loses. The reality of a World Cup is 32 teams go to the World Cup and 31 of them lose, and you end up with one winner. But the most significant event at the World Cup is actually not the World Cup final and who ends up winning the World Cup final. It's a blend of those national stories and individual stories that take place during the World Cup. That is the bigger, bigger thing. And the World Cup final isn't the point in going to the World Cup. Well, let's relive some of those moments, David, that together. that any sense whatsoever? Yes. Okay. Because I'm thirsty. Okay. So let's, yes. let's relive some of those moments, jump I'm right into thirsty, the final. Yeah. We're going to crack open Time for some Guinness. Oh, it's my favourite part of the pod. It's honestly the only reason I do this now. Oh, listen to that. Oh. To the football. It's over Rogers. Barney Roney wrote in his great summary. In The Guardian, after 32 days, 64 matches, 171 goals, 182 yellow cards, 48,706 passes, 2,124 tackles, $4 billion in revenue for FIFA land, and for us, 128 cupcakes, <laughs> Roger. God knows what calories, David. Yeah, I know, a lot of calories, a lot of calories. Um, the final, Germany 1, Argentina 0, a 113th minute wonder strike by Mario Goetze clinched a fourth world title for, one would have to say, a deserving Germany after Leo Messi's <laughs> disappearance. Yeah, he disappeared, Rog. And Gonzalo Higuain frittered chances. Uh, they doomed Argentina, Rog. They did, they did, they did. Gary Lineker, the BBC pundit, once yeah. said, football is a simple game. How sad that Gary Lineker now is viewed as a BBC bun- pundit, not a former world class striker. I think it's wonderful. It's the same as we don't think of Alexi Lalas as one of the world's best ever defenders. Yeah. We think of him as a popular music singer. Yeah. I turned occasional television. Uh-huh. Gentleman. But he once said football's a simple game. Yeah. 22 men run around the field. And at the end of the day, the Germans always win. Yeah, that's very true. But here's the thing, Dave, in this game. Mm-hmm. Argentina. Argentina. That's if you the want first time you've that. ever said it correctly. Go ahead. Argentina. Yeah. They should have won. But, I mean, it was very odd because a side that was feared for their offensive riches, Argentina, yeah. ultimately became a, like a pack of direwolves defensively, led by yeah. Mascherano. And if it wasn't for Higuain wearing his cleats on the wrong feet, David. Mm-hmm. He had a day that will haunt him for decades. Mm-hmm. They would have taken this, wouldn't they? Yeah. You could ultimately say that Higuain's cleats were being worn by the wrong man, perhaps, rather than they're being worn on the well, wrong they, foot. They should have had I'm, Chris Wondolowski yeah, turn exactly. up. I'm not sure that you can say they should have won, but I think you could say they could have won. They certainly could have won between Higuain had chances and, you know... You had also a Fernando good. Torres hat trick. The shocking miss, the ridiculously yeah. offside, needlessly offside goal, and the yeah. woeful chasse. Yeah. That's how um, bad he was. So, I mean, they definitely had chances. Without any doubt, they had chances to go and win. But I still think it would have been a, 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 um, 
there would have been a sense that the least deserving team had won had they managed to win it. I right. thought Germany were better throughout the entire tournament. Germany were better in this game. Germany were just incredibly, incredibly German. strong. Incredibly so German. German. So German. German. And we'll talk about it later when we go through the players. We each are picking our three players of the tournament later. We'll talk about it later. That was a tell. But Germany have one massive advantage of every team in world football, and we're going to talk about that a little later. Well, I'd say Germany, unbelievable trait, just their depth, Dave. Yeah. I mean, Kadira lost before the game. Yeah. Really, their footballing IQ took a dent, mm-hmm. and it showed, but they're already missing Marco Royce, mm-hmm. Gundogan, Lars Bender. Um, and at times against Argentina, their defence, it was, it was like Starship Enterprise shields down. Mm-hmm. They looked bizarrely vulnerable. And when they had their chances, we joked yesterday that they lacked a clinical, pure finisher. In German, you call that a Julian Green. Yeah. And they didn't finish them. Neuer, most Teutonic man ever. That dismembered hand that he uh, was awarded as goalkeeper of the tournament. Mm -hmm. Many of you have written in and said, was that Jamie Lannister's sword hand? Mm -hmm. Sure, we'll talk about that more. Jürgen Love, Dave, the man in black. Yeah. What, what do you think of him? He's a, he's a nasal miner. We know that. The last yeah. World Cup, he, he did come in Bulgarian coordinated pantsuits of his coaches. Yeah. They di- ditched that. He's gone straight to black, back yeah. to basics. Very little emotion. I just think he's a man with a very itchy nose, Rog. He just has... I actually feel for him that he's always... If he's not picking it, his hands, his fingers are always hovering around it. Yeah. And I think he's got some issues going on up there. And I think it's a natural nervous reaction that he's got something going on with his nose. Like Jennifer Grey. <laughs> yeah, I don't, no, I don't mean like Jennifer Grey. But that's a very, very good point. My God, she looked different. Um, but I admire him greatly. And I yeah. admired him when Mario Goethe came on. Apparently, Yogi Love said to Goethe, yeah. show that you are better than Lionel Messi. Uh, and what a piece of man management. Goethe kind of out of his favour, Rog for the entire tournament. Was it, though? I mean, everyone was better. You and I were better than Lionel Messi. Judge Watner, age 94, could probably play football better than Lionel Messi did in that second Messi half. Messi was great. Well, you're right, sorry. You, you, you clarified that in the right way. He was great in the first half, and he looked a class apart. Even he looked cheapish going up and picking up the, uh, the golden ball. It was, right, like, it, was like, the player of the it was like a Miss Congeniality award. Yeah. It was like, you're not really the best looking, yeah. and you're definitely not the, miss, the most intelligent. Yeah. And he didn't win. But you won it. I have to be honest, watching him and Argentina staying on that field mm-hmm. after they'd lost. Yeah, listening, and to, all, listening to Happy by Pharrell. and Timber. <laughs> yeah, but mostly Happy. They kept playing during the Happy. <laughs> this is the last song they wanted to be hearing at that point. He looked like an Albert Camus character. Yeah. Just the tiny little shoulders, all that weight on them. I was absolutely crushed for that little bloke. Mm-hmm. Um, was he a victim, Dave? Out? as many of the top Europeans were, and by Europeans I mean non-German Europeans, yeah. of too much football at the highest levels. I mean, those legs dead, the energy gone, the ability to accelerate that we saw briefly in that first half, that yeah. first step, nowhere to be found in that second half. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, look, it's a long tournament, and it's not just the number of games, because the fact is, you know, seven games over... 
five weeks, four and a half weeks is not an insane amount of football. It's hard, but it's not an insane it's amount. It's not of like being locked in a panic room and having to pump well, out the amount of content we did. But in some ways, it probably is similar. I would say you're down in Brazil. You're in a probably slightly nicer accommodation than we were in. I don't know. Shakira was staying in your hotel. Oh, really? But the training, you know, is probably pretty hard. The conditions are tough in Brazil. I would even, by the way, one of the things I've really noticed since I've been back in the U.S. is just, and I'm talking about New York City, the air quality is so much better here than it was in Rio. Like, it's just tough to breathe down there occasionally. Yep. And I'm not sure how it was for, for Argentina and where they were based, but it was just, it's just tough being away for that long. And I think it becomes very, very hard. But I think the bigger thing for Lionel Messi, and you really noticed it in last night's game, is in that first half, he's doing amazing things, the ball is going into him, and it's sort of like, okay, give it to Messi, let's see what he does, and we'll all sit back and not do anything. The number of times that Messi would get, make an amazing run, do something incredible, and there's no one in the box finding any space for him, he's so They're just watching, the audience were watching like we were watching. And some of them are very, very good players. We talked about Mascherano, of course, but I'm talking about the forward players. Some of those forwards are... Yeah, Aguero, these are great footballers who nevertheless... It seems on that team there is this sense that, oh, we'll give it to Messi, everything will be okay there. And the, so the burden, the weight on his narrow, tiny, little five-foot-two-shoulders... Bird-like, bird-like yes, shoulders. It's so hard to go and be in that situation. So hard, all the pressure on him. By the way, so on, on, on that point, it made me realise, and I always admire him, I, to yeah. me he's always been the best player in the world. Yeah. Uh, this is not Kyle Beckerman, this is... Diego Maradona. It, oh, I it, thought you were going for Stephen Naismith. It made me... It made me... In that pantheon, but it made me marvel at Diego Maradona's yeah. 1986 performance with, with like a even greater kind of, uh, a kind of halo around that because he did over and over again lift his team. And yeah. even in the final, when Germany marked him three or four... Uh, players surrounding him, he knew that he was t- creating space for others to exploit. Messi lacked that and almost succumbed ultimately under the and fatigue no doubt, or the weight. And this is why Messi will not be compared, or will always be um, in the unfavorably compared to Maradona, um, a, a, a player of that brilliance, who is considered by many to be the greatest player ever in world football. Messi can't get there. He might be the best player in the world, but he's not going to be go down, I think, as one of the greatest players ever, certainly not compared to his country with Maradona. But I think what I would have to say in his defence, and I watched, because on Brazilian television, they played many of those matches from the Maradona matches in previous World Cups. They played the, uh, the Hand of God game against England. And what is definitely true is that in his time, because of the lack of lateral speed of defenders, the fact that it was just sort of a slightly different time in football. And you see this when you go back and watch that 82 Brazilian team as well. A really good player could beat a good, solid national class defender or midfielder again and again and again and again and again. The fact is that we've reached a, even though the great players might not be any greater, the average standard of global footballers, they are faster, they are stronger, they are better trained, they have better movement, they have just... um, better scouting. It's just very hard to beat a man. And certainly as one player, I feel like in previous years, certainly 20, 30 years ago, a single dominant player could change a game. It's very, very hard for a single dominant player to take over a game now. But one did, and his name was Mario Goetze, came on. What a goal. That ball control. The pass in, Dave. Well, it was great. I mean, Scherler took... uh, took Mascherano out down the left. Mascherano, who'd been basically faultless, unbelievable in that game, but took him out down the left. 
put in a fantastic ball. Michelis ball-watching Rog allowed Goethe to drift off him behind him. Best use of a chess to advance his career since Dolly Parton. Yeah, definitely. Who, by the way, I found out today is covered in tattoos. Wow, really? That's why she never yeah. takes her sleeves off. <laughs> it was a fantastic goal, Rog. Off the chest, onto the volley, into the side netting. This has been the World Cup of side netting, both from inside and outside the goal. And, uh, you know, New Pope ripping up his Kraftwerk albums deep in the Vatican, Rod. Yeah, no, I mean, David, that's the only thing we're sure of about yeah. this one. It's the only fact. We're yeah. breaking news. It's yeah. the only factual news we've got. At Art and Full, yeah. uh, suggested at Men in Blazers, following Dothraki tradition, Andrea Merkel should now remove Palacio's hair braid after defeating him great in point. battle. That is a great... I would have loved to have seen that. I would, but by the way, we've got to be careful. Angel Merkel was a jolly... She was happy. Did you see her in that? I mean... Just that trophy I ceremony, that whole I thing. I'm not scared to admit it. I love Angela Merkel. I know I do too. She is my kind of person. Yeah, leader that's of all the free, I'll tell you. Leader of the free world. I find her very wonderful. Yeah. At FIFA, all I say about that tweet, the Dothraki one, we've got to be careful with what we say because we know that FIFA listen to this. Yeah. And if there's beheadings after the 2018 yeah. final in Russia, Clemente Velasco, yeah. you've got blood on your hands. Yeah, some say, not us that FIFA modelled themselves on the Dothraki Empire, yep. but not... Seth Blatter does have blood riders. Yeah. Um, death, thank God, to the most boring stat in world football. Oh, no yes. European team has won the World Cup on South American soil. They have now. And also, as they say in German, mm-hmm. Balak told me this, yeah. Mazeltov to Miroslav Klose, <laughs> yeah. who manoeuvred his geriatric bag of bones around the field long yeah. enough to dethrone Ronaldo as Good a tournament's for top too. Good day for Poland too. goal scorer ever. Yeah. Big question, David. Go ahead. How are, I don't know how you say that in German, how are yeah. Germany so good? Wie, yeah, warum? Yeah, warum uh, Deutschland? Übermenschen. Why are Germany so good? Why are Germany so good? Yeah. Well, I think there are a couple of things that are very clear. We can, uh, I think that, and we are in danger of this as well, we overstate passion. We overstate playing for the shirt. We overstate, you know, um, that sort of burning fire of desire. Ooh. The Germans are just... Sounds like te- a good name for a book. The Germans are just... A love book. Technical. They are uh, <laughs> incredibly well-trained. They listen to coaching. They are intelligent footballers. Yeah. I mean, how many Philip Lahms are there truly in the world? A player that smart. He's that good, but he's that smart. He's reading the game all around the really, pitch. By, by the way, rarely have I seen a world-class footballer who looks less like a footballer than yeah. Philip Lahm. I, I, I mean, he I looks just, like a kind of contract attorney. I have a feeling that it would be very interesting to match the I, if we actually got the IQ statistics. No doubt FIFA Land keep this stat. I dare say that those German players are a few degrees smarter. Are they keen? I think they're smarter than most other footballers. They're just very, very clever. Can I tell you, four straight semi-finals, David, qualifying for every World Cup, bar the ones that they were banned for because of their propensity to warmonger on a global scale. Yeah, good point. Amazing yeah. to be that consistent. Yeah, everybody, everybody has. Football is a game of cycles. Yeah, I mean Germany flopped in at the World Cup in two thousand and two thousand and four. They invested in their youth system over one billion dollars over ten years. Every single club made it a national priority and a mark of pride to develop young talent. But there's also something to me embedded in their sporting mentality. It's like a confidence, a determination. 
a belief, a, pro- a professionalism, David, that other countries, and by other countries, perhaps I mean England, that they lack. It seems to be in their DNA. When after they beat Brazil 7-1 and Tony Cruz was interviewed and they said, why are you not going mental? Why are you not just ripping off the sleeves of your shirt, tying them around your head and whooping it up? Mm-hmm. And he just calmly said, we have one more game to win. What is there to celebrate? That's just an amazingly professional, clinical statement that is very, very rare in football, David. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I find it... I mean, German, having spent quite a lot of time in Germany and studied German and, um, of course, understanding every element of their history and their culture, and I know that it's very dangerous that we're not really... We are told a lot, not only by people who we work for sometimes, but we're told by society and we're told by commentators and we're told by the media, oh, you can't talk about Germany's history, you can't talk about any of those kind of things. But there is something within the German psyche which is, by the way, not unlike America, an American exceptionalism. There is something about Germany that they think that they are better. And thinking that you are better sometimes is enough to convince yourself that you're better and do things in a way that you do them better than the rest of the world. And you go out and you go and prove that with absolute confidence on the field. And that is very, very German. And when we say that that performance is German, maybe we've got close to where we said that you could say something's very American and it's positive. Closer. That maybe saying something's very German, maybe not to the rest of the world isn't positive, but to the Germans, a performance that German, a team that German is German and that is fantastic. Yeah, I'd love that. I mean, I read a lot of Lucy Davidovich. Yeah. I've watched the boys from Brazil at far too early an age. It scarred me. But I I think there's a very interesting branding exercise. I did it last year um, with the Premier League teams, how they are perceived in America and how they are perceived in England as a brand and the gulf between the two. Yeah. But it would be fascinating to do a brand exercise where we... What's it mean to be German? Yeah. The gulf between what it means to be German to Germans and to the rest of the world, America and to the rest of the world, and Britain. What does it mean to be British to the rest yeah. of the world? And as it marks a pride or self-loathing, if those are two different points on the graph to place them. Because I believe there's a true truth in what you're saying. I do think that one of the things that's very rarely talked about in sport is belief and self-belief. Your, your belief in yourself, ultimately, in those really big moments, to execute and do it right. And anybody who's ever played golf or ever played tennis or ever played any sport or high level will understand that. To commit to actually hitting that shot requires you to really believe in your ability to go and do it and finish and make contact and wow. do it. Wow. And I do believe that what the Germans show again and again and again, certainly versus the English, is the Germans indicate and display and exhibit belief in every single thing that they do. To me, just the concept of a person having self-belief is as alien to me as if you tell me I could fly or something. <laughs> it's amazing. I've never felt more English than when yeah. listening to this. Next question. Yeah. What now? Was jetzt? Yeah. For Deutschland, what now for Germany, David? Because I found it very interesting. Before the final, in the press conference before the final, Jürgen Love was very ebullient about his nation's future. We will be dominant for a long time, he said. A a phrase which echoed bizarrely Franz Beckenbauer's statement after Germany last won the World Cup in 1990. Germany had just reunified West and East. And he said, I feel sorry for the rest of the world. This is Beckenbauer. 
He said, I feel sorry for the rest of the world. Now East and West have unified. We will be dominant for a very long time. Of course, they never won the World Cup again until yesterday. Mm-hmm. But Jurgen Love, very, very honest and, I guess, very confident, almost cocky, saying this is a team that's so young, we will be dominant for a very, very long time. Do you believe that? I mean, football is such a game of quick cycles. We, we wrote Germany off after Bayern were dismantled by Real Madrid in the, in the Champions League a couple of months ago. It's crazy. We've been lauding Spain that their record between the Euros in 2008, the World Cup in 2010, the Euros in 2012... But now let's look at the German record, just sub-Spain over the last, you know, eight years, but pretty impressive. Uh, it's maybe six years. Pretty impressive. Look at the semi-finals of the tournaments they've made. Now they've won this World Cup. They could end up with staying power. Look at these young players. Look at the goal. Schürrle, what, 23 to Goethe, 22, or the other way around. Young players coming up. Their comment about Julian Green, they have, he's just a trout. They have many players like Julian Green. Yeah, you, you, you reflect you know, when I was in Germany and yeah. I asked this is when in, uh, before the US played Ukraine yeah. a couple of months ago and I asked all the German media I met what do you think about Julian Green playing for America? And they laughed and said it didn't even make the press in Germany. One of them said to me we have a trout farm. Yeah. We have 10,000 trout. You have stolen one of our trout. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I didn't know what he was saying yeah. but it terrified me. So I think that they have so many good young players. So many members of that team are going to continue to go and play for a long time. Um, yes, they look very good. And we could look back at this. This is a team. And look at where the location of the next Euros are and where the next World Cup is. Very near their trout farm. France and <laughs> Russia. It is very, very near their trout farm. Uh, and I feel like they could be very, very good for a very long time. I say this. Spain will bounce back. Yeah, they have course. so much young talent. Um, but it is going to be interesting to see how Brazil rebound yeah. and how Argentina... Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> how they breed new young talent, what the supply line is like there. A lot of the older guys are going to be moving on. I feel 2018, looking into my crystal ball, I mm-hmm. sent to Germany, Costa Rica final, Dave. <laughs> Conquer thunder. Well, I mean, look, I do think 2014 will be a very... Di- 2018 will be a very different tournament. Um... In Eastern Europe, I think we'll see those Eastern European teams be rather good in Eastern mm-hmm. Europe. Yeah, it was very nice seeing Putin and Blatter sitting yeah. together. And like, I think that, you know, the Unabashed two... game recognises game. And I do think that the two... You are more evil than me. No, 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 no. You are more evil than me, really. I admire um, your evil work. I think the two almost teams of the tournament were Croatia and Bosnia. These are two teams that actually had almost tournaments. That if you're a Croatian fan or Bosnian fan, I think you could be saying... Oh my God, I had a couple of things gone a little bit differently. We could I have love those well. Bosnians. And I think the Eastern European teams will be very, very good come uh, the World Cup in Russia. So that's it, Rog. But we should talk about the big one, Rog. The third, fourth place playoff. Game. Can't believe we didn't commentate on it. We really should have done. Brazil, nil. The Netherlands, three. More humiliation for the host nation. They were outscored. 10-1 to 1 in the course of their last two home games, Rog. This game, actually, I think they were fortunate that they only conceded three. Um, this was a... What happened to this team, Rog? I, I mean, what, why, I mean what, you can say that they weren't great, but, like, 10 goals in their final two games? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, they didn't just lose yeah. twice. They shredded their brand as football spiritual home Paula yeah. Dean style. Mm-hmm. I mean, they so desperately wanted to be known as 
more than football and supermodels. Yeah. Good news is they've still got their supermodels after this World Cup debut. Yeah. Um, Thiago Silva said about the semi-final, he said the score is something that won't happen again in the next hundred years. It actually almost happened a couple of days later. Uh-huh. It was six minutes of darkness, six minutes of darkness, Devo, which led to a tragic ending. To me, somehow, I'm not quite sure oh, how... Thiago Silva was so lucky to be on the field. I can't believe he wasn't red-carded for that challenge. Within a minute. Yeah. I mean, somehow Brazilians footballers unfurled a performance even shabbier and more humiliating than Pelé's in the subway commercials. No. (laughs) (laughs) Watching that Dutch game, which was so bloody sad. I mean, you're right. It was like, I watched it like a rubbernecker. Yeah. Like maybe viewers in your reality world watch a Lindsay Lohan reality show. You watch it because were in your ilk. I didn't okay. say that. But they, were they going to rebound proudly yeah. after a 7-1 loss in front of their own people? Or, or uh-huh. were they just going to ch- chuck it to more? And you're right. Neymar was there on the bench. Were they going to channel the absent Neymar's spirit and fight? Yeah. Or were they going to channel the absent Fred's spirit and... <laughs> Yeah. And they did the latter, David. Watching them mm-hmm. having to take the field again in those yeah. yellow jerseys. We talked uh-huh. about the weight of the jersey, David. Yeah. Pesa de Camina. Yes. Camisa. It was like watching a unfaithful man forced to watch his wedding video <laughs> on the day his divorce papers. What did you write? You tweeted at some point that it's like Jennifer Aniston having to go to the wedding of Brad Pitt yeah. and uh, Angelina Jolie. Yeah, it was the entire Brazilian nation must have yeah. felt like Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. She had to sit there and like, pretend to enjoy it. But that's what they, they couldn't appreciate their, their own team playing football, David. Yeah. And their own team didn't just lose, it capitulated twice. Mm-hmm. And then had to watch Argentina march forward into the final and Germany... Edge forward, four wins now, one behind Brazil. How does that happen? Is this a tilting of the axis back? A shifting of the tectonic plate? Continental Europe. And CONCACAF, CONCACAF. Look at CONCACAF, CONCACAF. Well, maybe, it's although I do think that some of the CONCACAF. When cars thing, fly in the air yeah. and we have personal jet booster pack, CONCACAF, you know, CONCACAF will be number one. performance could be explained by a cynic, Rog, as. The tournament was close to home. The tournament was quite CONCACAF-y. And with a weakened CONMEBOL... Con- got names, these confederations, quite, by the way. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they really need to go and rebrand them. Um, and a fairly weak CAF. Yeah. And a really weak, whatever Asia is. Yeah. Um, the, uh, that they did very... Um, that they did very well. But I do think that you look at Argentina and Brazil going forward... And you just have questions about where they're going to go, what's going to happen next. I think part of the reason... Watching Brazil, sorry, I'm sorry to say... I'm sorry, but watching Brazil, the most incredible thing about watching Brazil is Sean of Neymar. Naismith. The insane <laughs> lack of... Cre- I mean, no creativity. I would even say that, like... You're going to not like this, but I'm still going to say it, Rog. There are some... They could do with a Raheem Sterling. They could do with, like, a Raheem, player... Rahimio. Yeah, an, an English... A player with English creativity on the team. There are English players who would make that side and be able to creatively contribute and be better Well, it's a fascinating have. conversation how many of that Brazil starting 11 would make 
a, a Premier League starting eleven. And uh, the reality is, they were phenomenal in the Confederations Cup, which didn't yeah. ultimately matter that much yeah. to many of the teams apart from them. Yeah. They played a whip-smart counter-attacking football yeah. where uh, Neymar was what they call the protagonist. Paulinho yeah. had a key role. He punched up the middle yeah. in a very avant-garde fashion. Um, and the rest of the players knew their roles to really throw those two uh, the ball. Oscar did his thing. Um, but here, Neymar looked incredibly isolated. Paulinho's career has deteriorated over the past 12 months uh, at Spurs. And there was um, a- Oscar had a seven-game World Cup that was similar to his trajectory at Chelsea this season. Looked really promising at the beginning and then just faded away. There was a co- faded away. And there was a cognitive dissonance. Having made a film about the Brazilian team with yeah. the Brazilian, interviewing all of them, particularly David Luiz, who mm-hmm. kept saying, I've been put on earth by God to deliver the World Cup to... Brazil. It's quite quite a specific design by God. Though. Yeah, I mean, very. God, <laughs> God got quite specific. Well, after we finish this podcast, I want to know what God Louis. put you and me on the, on the <laughs> world. Uh, collectively, yeah. they, they developed this self belief that they could win. The mm-hmm. Brazilian nation believed it, and then Philip Scolari, and he bears yeah. great responsibility for this. He said at the beginning of the World Cup that they would win. He flat out promised a win, and it's fine to play ugly football when you win. Winning ugly, but without the winning, it's just ugly, and they look very ugly. And the worst part of it for me was the deification of of Neymar after the foul that took him out, and the way the country—I mean, the, uh, uh, the way the country came to a halt when he did these live interviews. We were both in Brazil. We would see literally roads would stop. People would get out of their cars, press their nose against the glass of my hotel that I was in because Neymar was doing a live interview and he was there in his oversized self-initial brand management hat and he'd say things like he sobbed about the loss which I understood it was the World Cup of Tears but when he said the tackle ended his World Cup if it had been an inch higher he could have been paralysed can we I'm so glad you brought this up because now that this is over and now that we know he's okay and now I we've made that out of Brazil up. in one piece. I have I have my, my credit card yes. was fished, by it the way. Thank fished. you for the person who stole my credit I card. I have to... Um, $2,000. dollars make the point that his comment, his comment that he couldn't feel his legs after he went down. I watched a replay of that tackle yesterday. He's moving his legs after that happens. Clearly moving his legs. It's so... The, the, all of the rubbish involved... In that, it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of a season he has at Barcelona um, we'll coming up. It. We'll chat about it. Yeah, I and sort of feel like there's going to be a big hangover. A lot of these guys. I thought Neymar was good at the World Cup. He um, he was their best player. There's no doubt about it. But I think that his 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 quality, true like world class. Well, he's world class, but I mean, it's like world beating quality has to be questioned. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a quick button on this. I'd say what was fascinating was the trauma for Brazil. You hear about 1950, the last time they hosted, they lost 2-1 in the final game against Uruguay. Yeah. They compare it to, with no wink, they compare it to their nation's Hiroshima. Yeah. Uh, you hear that flags were at half-mast, people yeah. threw themselves out of buildings. I think a yeah. slight poetic license there. But we went out the night after they lost... 
And it was more, there was definitely a funereal atmosphere. There's more of a funereal atmosphere, actually, when Neymar was injured, when they, when they won the game against Colombia, and we encountered thousands of Brazilians walking home on Copacabana Beach. They knew they'd won the battle, but without Neymar, they were kind of aware that they'd lost the war. Uh-huh. But the night Brazil went out, Brazilians were out in the restaurants with us. They toasted each other in their, in their Brazilian jerseys, knowing they would not forget that day for the rest of their life. Uh-huh. But they, they were not... It was not funereal in Brazil. It yeah. felt like they'd lost a game of football rather yeah. than what had all been trumped up to be, that the nation's shame would never be. I mean, Brazil is a different country now. Economically, it has muscle. Yeah. But also realize that football, their Brazilian football federation is so crassly corrupt, overtly yeah. corrupt and over-commercialized that they don't feel the same emotional attachment to it. Mm-hmm. Nor do they feel the same connection to their players players like David Luiz who didn't grow up in the Brazilian leagues but moved mm-hmm. to Europe as a young teenager yeah. and has rarely played in Brazil before they don't have that same kind of connection yeah. um, and nor do they have the whole connection with the team, the team rarely plays in Brazil, it plays lucrative games in Qatar, in South Africa all over Europe, the Brazilian national team rarely plays in Brazil well, and it's created a different relationship than the one that was advertised David. and I wonder what the brand of Brazil Soccer, football, is now, Rog. Are there going to be those lucrative games for them all over the world? Or is that going to be Germany? Costa Rica. Yeah, Costa Rica. America. Everybody wants to play America. By the way, um, Jürgen, one of the things he told me was uh, so many countries do want to play America or or fear playing America right now because with a team that may give them a good spanking. At NC Lord Dorg Mm -hmm. tweeted, at Men in Blazers... Brazil's problem was simple. Their fans had a premature case of crownification. So, Rod, World Cup fever. We're back in America. The World Cup is... Obviously, this is a hugely successful World Cup on any basis. Viewership up over 43% on 2010. And by the way, the viewership was even further up than that because so many people watched it out of home that those ratings didn't count. Um, It was huge. Advertising was a huge event. On social media, the World Cup was massive. Can we believe, do we have faith, Rog, that we can, not the World Cup fever will last, but, but that what has started during the World Cup to start to change this country on a broad basis. We always know that there have been people who love, our 12 GFOPs, like they yeah. love soccer, they yeah. properly love it. But on a broad basis... If you take poor cars, mum and dad out, it's nine, yeah. I think. On a broad... <laughs> there was 12 to nine. It was interesting. Um, but on a broad poor, basis... Poor cars, two dads. Can this last? We're hearing MLS, ESPN, you know, constantly during the World Cup final promoting uh, MLS games. Great hope by Commissioner Don Garber. Um, August you know the 4th, what? by the way, we're going to be in Portland. Yes. Pioneer All-Star Square. Game. All-star game, right? Can't wait. With Bayern Munich. Um... Everyone's favourite cuddly Germans. But there's this belief that all we need to do now is just convert World Cup fans to MLS and MLS and it will all be... I mean, you're, you're asking okay. me, will the... Has the oh, that's what I'm asking. You're me. asking me, will the tide roll in and the tide roll out that's for football? That's what I'm asking. And the answer to me is... Well, the tide has rolled in. Yeah. Will it roll out again and then roll in and roll out again and roll in and roll out again? And roll in again? Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing to me is the demo. This is what gives me so much hope, David. The demo that are interested in football. Demographic. Well, you know about this better than I do. 18 to 34-year-old males. Yeah. Which is the demo that... 
advertisers crave. Yeah, and by the way, they're there with their girlfriends. The number of... I must say, shout out to all our female GFOPs. We've always lagged, frankly, unsurprisingly, more men than women... Women, have, women in blazers. ...have been, yeah, have been following what we've been doing. During the World Cup, we saw a massive uptick in uh, female fans of, uh, of the beautiful game of football of the World Cup and in an unrelated news of men in blazers. The ugly part yeah, of the game. The ugly part of the game. Yeah, the ugly balding the part of the game. part of the game. Um, I mean, at age, yeah. you buy in now into football, all yes. brands. What, what was that? Yeah, no, I mean, the advertising people I know across the business were advising brands. Like, you know what? Saka is massively underpriced for global brands. You've just, it's not an option. Buy in now and overpay. Buy in now and overpay. Buy in now and overpay. American-based A-listers, LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. Rihanna, yeah. Ashton Bloody Kutcher, yeah. they realise that the World Cup is a way they can actually gain global exposure. Uh, yeah. Exposure. Yeah. Explosure. Explosure. Is even better than exposure. I don't just explosure. want exposure. Give I me want, explosion. <laughs> I want exposure. I've find my I want exposure. Give me exposure. That is dynamic and combustible. Explosure. I mean, I'd say also the silent. We could write that as the a book. Sil- the silent explosion yeah. of the EA Sports FIFA franchise, which yeah. I think plays a role in sensitising young Americans, not just to football, but won to the... the EA Sports won the World Cup. The tactics, the subtleties of the game, and the, yeah. by the way, there's no better way to get over the World Cup blues than yeah. playing a hell of a lot of that game. Mm-hmm. But for me, this was the first World Cup to be watched by an, an America in which is a massive, massive, informed, yeah. intelligent, soccer-loving mm-hmm. fan base, pre-extant. Yeah. So before the World Cup, it wasn't just a tide rolling in and a tide rolling out, but at the yeah. heart of American mm-hmm. sports cultures, there's people who know the yeah. stars long before a ball was kicked. And it's that base that's only going to grow and grow as the English Premier League ratings grow and grow and yeah. grow. Very true. I think we're looking for a mixture. I think that's one thing I'd call for people in American soccer. Not to be... Um, monotheistic, to not believe the only way to go and deal with these new soccer fans is let's throw them all into an MLS. Or, the old gods and the new. or English Premier League snobs to be the only thing that you can possibly do is choose an English Premier League team and follow that. Or the only thing to do is just to follow the US men's national team games. I believe in a... You want, you want American soccer fans to be polyamorous? Poly, well, polytheistic, certainly. I want them to watch all forms of soccer and fill their lives, just as we do, with a mixture of Premier League, national team games, the women's game, which is amazing. <sighs> women's World Cup Cannot wait. The real, that's uh, what we call, the, year, we the, call World the World Cup. Yeah, and the other one is the men's World Cup. Um, MLS... Uh, I just bought season tickets, Rog, for uh, NYC FC, and I've now officially been in communication. I've become a fan of the Charleston Battery, Rog, uh, who are not oh, yet in the, in the, the major leagues, you but love I love them full on in the battery. I'm still choosing, Dave. I'm still waiting for the team to come out, the, the, an MLS team to come out the sorting hat, and yeah. as you say, choose me. Yeah. But I love that. Be polyamorous, America. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd also say on this issue, Dave, that long lens. Yeah. I pray that 2022 oh, long gets shifted from Qatar to the yeah. US. Yeah. That's my big dream. It would be massive. And by the way, the only way that's going to happen is perpetual investigation of FIFA by American outlets. Yeah. FIFA don't care when English newspapers expose them. Because they hate the English. But American outlets, who essentially are speaking to the heads of Visa, Coke, Adidas... Sony. Asking the hard questions, yeah. the obvious hard questions about FIFA, yeah. that's what I think is going to have to happen yeah. in the next two years. At Armeyer527 says, at Men in Blazers, 
Number one sign that soccer is catching on in America. Mm-hmm. My barber knew what I meant when I went in and asked for a Van Gogh. That's hilarious. <laughs> I want a photo of that Van Gogh. By the way, I feel, uh-huh. I feel bereft that it's over, David. Uh-huh. I, th- I feel like Philip Larkin. <laughs> Lines on a young it's lady's photograph the number album. of things in your life that can make Lister's. you feel like Philip Larkin. Those flowers, that gate, those misty parks and motors lacerate simply by being over. You can track my heart by looking out of date. Only 1,425 days now, David. Wow. Until World Cup 2018 kicks off. David's decided we're not going to Russia. No, we're not going to Russia. We're going to base ourselves in the best European city possibly. Because David likes luxury. Yeah. At Sethington Dev. Mrs. B told me it couldn't be in Germany. So we're going to have to do it, I think, in Milan, maybe. Good communications. (sighs) I love Italy. At Men in Blazers, why are we focusing on things hundreds of days away? Yeah. When Clint Dempsey's album is dropping any minute now. (laughs) That's so true. That's so true. Uh, Talking of Clint Dempsey, Rog, we should move on to our Men in Blazers. Rog and Davo's top three men of the World Cup. We love men. I'm going to send each of these men a golden hand, a dismembered hand. A dismembered golden hand. Okay, so let's go. Do you want to do one, then I'll do one? Okay, go ahead. So this is our personal, that was the criteria, just who personally blew us away. Who blew us away? My first one would be Javier Mascherano. Yeah. A man who's comfortable enough in his masculinity to admit to the media after the semi-final, I spread out my anus in that last tackle. (laughs) And I ripped it. So he ripped it. He ripped it. Wow. And I've got to tell you, let me read that one again. Oh. I spread out. Can you read that line? No, I don't want to read it. Read it. Okay. There. I spread out my anus <laughs> in that last tackle and ripped it. Ugh. All right. So the reason that came to kind of struck me in an interesting yeah. way. That's commitment. Yeah. When we talked about this before on the pod as a child, yeah. I often spent hours wondering if I could score the World Cup winning goal for England in those days, yeah. but would break my leg in the process. I remember yeah. it was always very close to the, the yeah. goalpost, and I had to swing my leg, and the goalkeeper uh-huh. dived on my leg and then broke it. Mm-hmm. And that break was a career-ending injury. Yeah. We both discussed this last season. Oh, yeah, would you, second. Would you second. make that sacrifice? Of course. So this is a new wrinkle, yeah. David. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't even go there. We're not even talking about it. I can't talk, honestly. I get, I get this thing when I think about things like that where I can't even make a fist. I call it funny fingers. I can't even make a fist right now because I feel so uncomfortable talking about what I would do. Right. Okay. And all I'll say is women who have childbirthed. Uh, uh, courage. That's not where it comes from, Rog. I hate to break it to you. Um, okay. Go, your first... So, Mascherano's your first one. Okay, let me change the conversation here. This is the elephant in the room, Rog. Germany are playing with one more player than every other team in football. Because in goal, they have an outfielder playing in goal. Manuel Neuer. I, you love Manuel Neuer. Well, I do not love him. Scares me. I actually don't like him at all. I will never forgive him for what I believe, and many people get very upset with me when I say this, but I think it was a case of blatant cheating when he clearly... It wasn't the ball went just over the line in that Lampard goal in South Africa oh, in 2010. Let it go. It went yards it over go. the line. He knew it. He saw it right then. I believe that Manuel Noor, had he done the sporting thing that day, they still would have won, and he would be a legend in football for what he had done. Anyway, he didn't. He clearly saw it go yards over the line. And as a goalkeeper, he was willing to pretend that he saved it when he didn't. However, in this World Cup, he has blown me 
away. 25 saves in this World Cup, Rog. He only conceded four goals. His pass completion rate as a goalkeeper, and we're talking about the top players in the World Cup had like... The World Cup. The World Cup had like 86, 87% pass completion. As a goalkeeper, which includes goal kicks, it includes clearances, was 82.2% was his pass And some of these rate. passes were ones he knocked to his forwards. To it. He didn't yeah. just roll it across 50 the back. yards, 60 yards, like Gapwich to, towards them. It is just amazing what he does. So many times, Germany would go into a back three, into a three-man defence, and their three-man defence was him in the middle with two centre-backs on either side, allowing the right and left-back to be all the way up the pitch, giving them... They have a man advantage when they're playing so with to, the ball. My mate, my mate Michael Cohen, the Arsenal yeah. fan, used to say about Peter Cech when he was in his prime. Yeah. It, it was like Chelsea started every game at 1-0 because of him. But and it was because what a great shot-stopper and goalkeeper he was. Manuel Neuer has everything. He's a shot-stopper. He is so athletic. Talk about belief. His ability to, like, very, there is no self-doubt. He believes he's going to get there with the ball. And apparently he's a very giving partner. Wow, really? He's, he's got it all. Yeah, no, he's a phenomenal World Cup by him. Okay, your Mi- number two. Miguel Rob. Herrera. Wow, of course. It's got to be Miguel course. Herrera. Uh, his joy, the confidence he instills in those around him. Yeah. And his love, his love for the game. To me, it's a reflection of our own, Dave. Yeah. More than any man. He is the gentleman I would most like to have on the show in the next 12 months. Yeah. I'd love to interview him. Then I'd love to go to the Schwitz. I'd love to go to the Russian bathhouse and just sweat away beside him. Yeah. We'd keep our towels on. We'd wrestle a little bit. And then we'd go on the lash in New York City. On the lash until, with Herrera. And that would be a film. I would make that film in a second. On the, Rog on the lash with Herrera. Until the whiskey bubbles out of our pores. It would be amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a great evening. Yeah, he was the man. He was the, he was the personality of the World Cup. Charles on. Uh, another player. You know, I was really looking today when we were going to do this at some players who weren't getting a huge amount of attention but actually had an amazing World Cup. I love a central defender, Rod. You know I love a central love defender. A central Everybody defender. goes on about the goal scorers and the, the playmakers. I love a central the, defender. They're the Argentinian Malbecs of yeah, football. they are. And what I love in a central defender is a defender who can really defend, who's hard, who can do it, but can play the ball, is athletic, is a ball distributor, can start the offence as well as play from the back. Phil and I Jags. Have, no, have to give it to the Dutch Phil Jags. Ron Vlaar, Rog. Many people remember him because he missed the penalty. He was the first penalty taker um, in the semi-final, and he missed that. Uh, he missed that penalty. I think had he not, everybody would be talking about Ron Vlaar. Completed 83% of his passes. This is from a playmaking uh, uh, central defender. Covered 74.6 kilometres. I believe that that converts to about 578 miles, Rog. That oh, puts sounds him, like a proclaimer's fan. That puts him in the top ten despite not even playing in the final. 87% of attempted clearances successful. He was just athletic. He was good. He was great. Superb footballer, Rog. Not as good as yeah. my final choice. Yeah. Can you guess who it is? Roy Hodgson. Kyle Beckerman. Oh, Beckerman. Hair on hair violence. Age 32. Yeah. To me, he's a model of relentless tenacity. Yeah. This is a man who thought his international career had mm-hmm. long passed him by. Yeah. But he kept hustling. Mm-hmm. He never gave in. And he found himself starting for the United States at a World Cup in Brazil and dominating. And for me, I mean, that's not just a footballing triumph. It's a human triumph mm-hmm. that I think all of us should try and emulate in life, David. And the question everyone is asking us 
everyone in world football is asking. Yeah. How can this World Cup be over without a 65-yard Kyle Beckham and Wonderstrike? <laughs> you predicted it too early. You predicted it too early. It's for the next World Cup, Rog. I still dream that dream, David. Yeah. It's a dream deferred. Okay. Um, my final choice, Rog, and you're right, Beckman, and couldn't happen to a nicer man. Congratulations, Carl. We're delighted you had such a great World Cup. Um, to me, the man that should have been MVP, many have suggested, you know, uh, German players, many have suggested Muller, who had a great World Cup. Um, but to me, the player of the tournament, and once again, difficult for me to say, because I've not really ever loved this man, but is Philippe Lahm. Completed 86% of 651 passes, Rog. He, he played two positions at the World Cup, and I do believe that that change in position forced by the injury that moved him back to right back from central midfield, that changed Germany's fortunes at the tournament. That his move changed it for Germany. Um, completed more passes than anyone else in the tournament. Um, only Mascherano, Cruz and Muller covered more distance. Uh, had five blocks, recovered 39 balls. But he is the spiritual centre. He is the tactical genius. He is the coach on the field of that German team. And I believe if you take one player out of that team and they lose, it would be maybe Neuer, but you're never going to make the player of the tournament a goalkeeper. It's going to be an outfield player, and I think it would be Philly Blum. Small. What a tournament? It's was small. it the best World Cup ever, David? I don't think it was. I think it was a great World Cup. I think it was the best World Cup of the 21st century, Rog. <laughs> um, it's this century's best, this millennium, Rog. It's this millennium's best World Cup. But I don't think it's the best World Cup ever. Because I think as good as Germany were, who were definitely the best team in the tournament, I don't think that they will go down as a great still team so flawed. in the annals of great World Cup teams. Yeah, still so flawed. And all the great teams in this World Cup were yeah. flawed. And it was a World Cup for me. I loved the bald men prospered. It's always good for ratings. But we have to say 1998 was pretty immense. Yeah. And of course 1930, as many mm-hmm. of you listeners are saying, 1930 was even better. Although yeah. I may be a bit of a homer on that one. Uh, Rog, now we turn our attention World back Cup to... World Cup is over now. The Premier League kicks off August 16th. I can't believe how close we are. Uh, we are just really a month away. I feel like America's football theme bar mitzvah when Rebecca Lowe comes yeah. back onto our screens, David. Yeah, we have some amazing uh, games going on uh, the opening weekend, Rog. Man United, Swansea... Uh, Leicester City, just very important, very American you fans. Pronounce it is it pronounced Leicester. it Leicester. If you walk into that city and say yeah. Leicester, you'll no, be laughed at. You'll be dead. Leicester uh, City play your beloved Everton, Rog. QPR, Hull, Stoke Villa, West Brom, Sunderland, West Ham, Spurs, Arsenal, Palace, Liverpool, S- Southampton, Newcastle. Liverpool, City. That's, Liverpool, Southampton. Most of the players won't know which team to play for. You're right. And Chelsea go up to Burnley, uh, Rog. Uh, going to be an amazing... Well, the transfer are crackling oh, away. The rumours are starting to give us the thickening. Yeah. Diego Costa yeah. moving. Mm. Cesc Fabregas wow, to wow. Chelsea, very active. Yeah, Costa Rizbar. United. Yeah. Luke Shaw. Yeah. Huge amount of money. Yeah, and uh, Ander Herrera, $49 million. Luke Shaw, 51 to $53 million. Uh, Arsenal, Rog, that seems to be the biggest one. Alexis Sanchez. Oh, tasty. Huge transfer for 51. They're going all in on nipples in those Puma uh, jerseys. Million dollars. But most sensationally, Rog, Liverpool. Uh, Lalana from Southampton for $42.7 million. And out, gone from the Premier League, its best player, Rog, Luis Suarez, £75 million. It's $128 million. By the way, bought at a discount 
uh, and going to Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, goodbye to Luis Suarez, a serial biter, yeah. a uh, convicted racist, would you say? I don't think he was convicted. That would imply criminally convicted. A, a punished racist. But most of all, I think probably most sensationally, an opposite talker. Yeah. He wanted away at the beginning of last season, couldn't yeah. stand it, mm-hmm. and he stayed. Yeah. And then back in May, mm-hmm. I'm very happy here in Liverpool. My family's very happy here. I will mm-hmm. not be leaving. Mm-hmm. And now he's gone. Yeah. I can't stand opposite talkers, David. Yeah. It's like Roberto Mancini. Yeah. I've got to say, some South American cocktail at Barca, Messi, mm-hmm. Neymar, and Suarez. And the biggest problem they may have is they've only got one ball to play with. I mentioned this yesterday. I believe that um, just looking at the transfers, looking at what Arsenal have done, still rumours that Kadira is coming in there too. And more than rumours, I think the reports that Kadira is coming in too. Convicted racist. I think Arsenal have done a lot to improve their team. Sanchez is going to be a fantastic Premier League team uh, player, Rog. So I think Arsenal right now, because there's no way... Save it for the preview. Okay. (laughs) I'm just saying, I said it yesterday on the digital, I think Arsenal are going to win the Premier League this season. And he'll make the case why in our Premier League preview. Okay, to the Toucans, Rog. Uh, The last Toucans of the summer. Before we go back to the Ravens. Uh, I was at a crap bar in the crap part of Midtown East. This is from Mike Lopez from the crap part of the Upper East Side, Rog. I was at a crap bar in the crap part of Midtown East watching the final. And after Germany scored and then went on to win, there was a group of 15 to 20 fans cheering and crying out in joy at the top of their lungs. These people <laughs> were otherwise normal Americans, but were jubilant when a country other than the U.S. won the World Cup. So my question is, is this normal? Can the U.S. truly be a soccer nation if we have people going crazy cheering for other nations? What kind of passion should citizens of other nations have when two foreign nations are playing each other? Please advise men in places. From Mike oh, what a great question, David. Do you think that's uniquely American? I think it's not normal. Yeah. I think part of it is a legacy of Americans not expecting too much from their team. Yeah. And, and a lot of... I remember ESPN last yeah. World Cup, not this one, but they, I think they may have even had a digital campaign for Americans to choose which team <laughs> will be their second nation for when America are eliminated. Yeah. But it's also coupled with the unique hyphenated identity that America's built on. Uh-huh. I mean, Jürgen is a Bavarian Californian yeah. who overtly supports Germany on Facebook. Yeah. No one has mocked him for that. That would not go down well in other soccer cultures. But I think that's it's something that's unique and wonderful, the hyphenated identity in America that I'd never want to take away. Yeah. No, I think that's true. Uh, look, it's a thrilling way to watch it. The fact is when Americans watch the Super Bowl... That I, it's one thing I've always found fascinating about the Super Bowl is Americans create a rooting interest, even if they're not from those cities or don't care particularly about those teams. They find somebody to root for, and they enjoy the spectacle. But I do think as America continues to develop as a world power, that will evaporate. Huh. Why are you yeah. so tired? I'm just tired. I've had trouble sleeping ever since I got back from Brazil. God. Yeah, I've had trouble. Uh, Rog, from Rocky Fox. Great to be back in the world of America. America. Man. Rocky Fox. Uh, as the sixth, sorry, as the eighth anniversary approaches of your World Cup wedding boat encounter, I am curious: is the couple from that wedding still married? <laughs> Are you two the most successful byproducts of that marriage? Uh, meaning that Roger and I met briefly, 2006, on a boat at a wedding of our friends, mutual friends, Julie and Peter. It was on the day of the 2006 World Cup final. 
both of us Zidane's were, headbutt final. Both of us were pretty unhappy to be there, not watching the end of the World Cup. We had to leave yeah. for, uh, watching the World Cup, yeah. which went into extra time and penalties because uh-huh. the wedding was on the bloody boat. And it wasn't one you could just turn up late. The boat yeah. left the bloody dock. Although, if you remember, when we got there, the boat was late. And so then we were standing around waiting for the boat. Not and best, friends, please. Doesn't bring out the best of Our me. friends, Julian Peter. Yeah. Julian American Peter. Uh, Australian-Hungarian, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Uh, Hyphenated identity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. DJ, editor, that's something. Film, they live in. Bloke. They're very Brooklyn. They have lots of different careers. They're very enjoy- involved in clubs and yep. nightclubbing and yep. also psychology somehow had a baby beautiful a baby, baby. That, is, that is definitely the most successful byproduct yep. is their beautiful baby yes they're they are uh, happily married and have a lovely child so we are we're just nothing we're just an accident yeah they're very confused are, by, by the us. way we are an accident don't they remain very confused by us completely yes my love for you david yeah for me the joy of this world cup has been built on our friendship Aww. Fused with America's passion, creativity, and discovery. Yeah. And I think, like Men in Blazers to me, it's what's remarkable about America that chance meetings can spawn wonders. Mm-hmm. Dante, do not be afraid. Our fate cannot be taken away from us. It's mm-hmm. a gift. Well, I think of, I thought this a lot actually while we were in Brazil. Yeah. The Beatles, all you need is love. There's nowhere you can't you can be that isn't where you're meant to be. It's easy. All you need is love. That's oh, what I think That's of nice. when I think of you, David. Yeah. Thank you, Julian Peter. Yeah. Mum and Dad. Yeah, I reflect on it and I sort of believe that the you know I have friends and business associates who just don't really get men in blazers at all. They don't really understand what it's all about. They don't know why we're getting to do this or why anybody listens or why they like it. Well, we don't know why anyone listens. But I do think that this is ultimately, as much as we talk about football and tiny bananas and <laughs> lots of other... Tarikoism. Tarikoism, things that amuse That's us. It's not insane, Tarikoism. Ultimately, religion. Sort of, it's men in blazers is sort of is about friendship. And uh, and that is friendship is ultimately very rarely spoken about and very rarely explored. It's also been a long time coming, Roger. We've been doing this for a long time. And uh, even, you know, I've, there's a prehistory. Both of us have written about football for a long time. We met in 2006. We didn't get together till 2010 to go and do our Off the Ball. Off the Ball. Off the Ball. Off the Ball. Off, 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 podcast uh, for ESPN. And then ended up... Um, you know, doing our podcast in Grantland, doing radio series twice a week. We, we, we put in a lot of reps. Yep. Uh, and chemistry was there from the beginning, which is important. But it's a... So was repression. English public school <laughs> repression. <laughs> repression is very important. But, I mean, nice anyway, segue I just to say, it. after this World Cup, yeah. a beautiful World Cup for us, thanks to Bob Lee, yeah. the mighty Bob Lee, mm-hmm. a man whose aftershave smells of the Battle of Yorktown, yeah. fast-growing religion of Tarikoism, which yeah. has really taken a grip in the really regions around Manaus. Yeah. Super Julie Foudy. Oh, Super Julie. Miss you. Paul Carr, blowing yeah. our minds. Oh, yeah, not so much in the final. Ian Hutchison of the OC Mafia, the GFOP designer who created all of our World Cup yeah, logos. Yeah, great stuff. John Skipper. Yeah. All at Grantland who supported us. Yeah, Bill and Jacoby. And, uh, and everybody else. We've just loved working with you, uh, the Grantland guys, over the past four years. Yeah. It sounds like, is this a farewell? Are we retiring, Rog? No. Did I not get this memo? I, I didn't did. realise we were retiring. John, is this it? Are we never doing this again? John Williamson. Yeah. Lexi Tenenholz. Oh, over there. Our first Men in Blazers employees, David. Yeah. Dana Farine yeah. works on everything yeah. that I do. 
But I think ultimately this is what I'd say makes Men and Blazers unique, and this is what makes it so rewarding for us. We are building this in communication with you, our 12 GFOPs, and that's what makes this unique. The, the ravens we get from you, the emails, the, 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 the comments, the feedback, the content you create for us, the stuff you do, I often think is so much better than anything I could do. Um, well, it is. It's, this, is what, <laughs> this is what we're building this uh, with you. Lots of exciting stuff coming up for us. Uh, over the next few months and over the next year. Um, we are having a meeting today about our content strategy. The first 20 minutes will be where somebody explains what a content strategy actually is. And um, we're moving forward and really inspired to do a lot more. I mean, I'd just say about our GFOPs, it is yeah. your, pa- your passion. And uh, no one is better placed than us to know how fast and how deeply America's love affair with football is growing. Yeah. And I'm just honored to be a little part of it. Oh, Rod. Beautiful. Um, Close it up, David. Okay, many ways to connect to us. Uh, one way, uh, each week we put stuff in the Emporium, Roger, and our Amazon Emporium, a small uh, piece of the revenue from that goes to help uh, support men and blazers and the people who work here. This week, Rog, I've put into the Emporium. I, I started reading. I went crazy in Brazil, starting to read books, and there's been one writer who many of my mates have been reading for a long time named John Niven. And John Niven has written, I believe, three novels. I'm going to see if there are any more. Um, his first novel, Kill Your Friends, which I've put on the Amazon store, you can click on the Amazon logo, is so exceptionally good. I know I was going on and on about straight white men, and that's a good book, but Kill Your Friends, it's actually becoming a movie right now, they're making it, Mate of Mine is producing it, Greg Cramer. Um, so, so good. Uh, Kill Your Friends. You made me John read it. No, you were reading Straight White Male. Kill Your Friends is phenomenal. Oh, Straight White Male. It's like Davey's thinly veiled autobiography. Yeah, sort of. Um, My book is very similar to that. Yeah. After a World Cup finishes, I feel very glum, very blue. And I cheer myself up by reading a compendium of First World War poetry called Men Who March Away. It's beautiful. Dolce et Dolcorum Est is one of my favourite poems of all time. Second way to communicate with us, Roger, and this is a big initiative right now. bigger than that. At Men in Blazers Towers is uh, our newsletter, The Raven. The Raven, Raven, Raven. Fueled by Guinness, Rog. That's a powerful raven. It collates the best ravens and our own writing on a weekly basis. Sign up now via meninblazers.com. We will both post what we are reading, listening to, or watching. It's going to be great, this newsletter. I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Uh, Rog, finally, new listeners, download our Best Of album if you want to sort of understand everything we're talking about. It uh, was quite big on iTunes before Christmas. We dropped it uh, around then. Men in Blazers unbuttoned. Now that's what I call sub Optimal. Click also, on our wonderful, independently yes. maintained, GFOP-driven wiki, meninblazers.wikispaces.com. It is one of the wonders of the world. Yeah. Um, it kind of explains what we're talking about and why. I'll also say, last day today, if you hear this, of our yeah. eBay auction for the actual oh, Blazers. For the Blazers. Roger's 42 regular, my 42 long. Yours, I believe, is a Hugo Boss. Mine is a uh, Ralph Lauren Black Label. We're raising Both slightly money for, worn. for yeah, John, Green's, worn. John, John Green's charity. John Green's charity, the Sarcoma charity. Yeah. All proceeds go to that. And John Green, who is one of the most remarkable blokes we know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, connect to us through meninblazers.com. We post all of our content we're involved in and links to all of our content right there. Uh, on Twitter, at Embassy Davies, at Roger Bennett, at Men in Blazers. Uh, our new Instagram, Men in Blazers. I've got to figure out what we're going to put on our Instagram now that we're uh, not in Brazil, uh, Rog. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Lots of content goes up there. We love hearing from you on Facebook. Uh, email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. Send your ravens, 
So the crap part of Soho, we are back. Any ravens that were previously sent to the crap end of Copacabana Beach have been redirected and given water, milk, and Guinness to get here. That's it, Rog. Vendorpunkt. War pig! Who wants to sex Motumbo? Feral donkeys. Courage. Size the day. Is that your analysis? No yeah. sleep till Moscow. Abrigado, rock on, mate. Oh, Dave, a kung fu fight in America. Love you. Explosion! <laughs> Love you too, Rog. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.